0: Hello and welcome to the Legacy Church Podcast. We hope that today's message will inspire you to grow in your journey of faith. We believe that hope is for everyone. So no matter where you find yourself on your journey of faith, we believe Jesus is willing to meet you right where you're at. So again, thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy today's message.
1: Anyway, hey, we're going to finish up uh, our series on relationships, not this week, but next week. So I've got two more sermons for you. And today's sermon is a little different than what I usually do. If you know me, you know I'm a three-point preacher. and, And here's the deal. Today I got seven points for you. And we're already starting the sermon 22 minutes later than usual. And now I'm giving you seven points instead of three. Come on, don't tell me there's not a God up in heaven who is a miracle worker and a way maker, okay? But would you open up the book of Philippians, chapter 2. We're going to read a short segment of scripture that is jam-packed with some good stuff. And we're going to do our very best to get through it today. Uh, So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy. Look at this. Complete my joy, Paul writes to the church. By being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Let me pause here. A lot of times when we talk about unity or we come across a, 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 a verse like this, we think unity is uniformity. And I, I want to tell you, it's not. Okay. This is Paul, the same guy that says one body, multiple parts, many roles, all of the same value, right? Come on. And so it's not unity is not uniformity. In fact, there's beauty in our differences. It's a, what brings real unity in any relationship as Paul's going to kind of break out here is this idea of having the same mind and that is the mind of Christ. Right. And here's how we have the mind of Christ. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not only look out to his own interests, interest, excuse me, but also the interests of others. Verse five, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Another parenthesis. Nothing we talk about today can you do outside of the person of Jesus Christ. Okay? This is found within the person and the spirit of Christ Jesus himself. Who though he was in the form of God did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped. But emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form he humbled himself by becoming obedient To the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him. In other words, he's put him above and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Why? To the glory of God the Father. Father, I thank you right now. Open up our hearts. Open up our understanding. Lord, no matter where we're at on our journey of faith, I pray today you would reveal the person of Jesus to us. Help us to think like him, talk like him, live like him. God, and, and, and help me, Lord, just perform a miracle. Let me get through all these seven points in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, growing up, one of my favorite snacks, and to this day, is canned tuna. Any, anybody? Okay. Please don't judge me, but I love me some canned tuna. And I was a bit of a savage growing up. I still kind of am in some ways, but I would come home from school and my snack was cracking open a can of tuna, pouring it out onto a bowl, and just lathering it with mayo. Okay? And once we had enough of that slop sound, you know what I'm talking about? I just spit everywhere. Right? Once you had enough of that slop sound, that's when you knew that tuna was ready. So I'd reach into the cupboard and I'd pull out a white unsalted saltine cracker because sodium's bad for you according to it's not though anyway that's another story for another time let's stay on track and so I would dip that into the tuna and uh, fast forward a few years later Sophia and I my wife and I we met um, and We were engaged at the time and she used to love feeding our cross country team after practice at her apartment. And so after cross country practice, we'd all show up sweaty, stinky, hungry to her house. And one day I looked in the cupboards and I cracked open a can of tuna and I started doing my process of making some tuna. And she looked at me like, you savage, what is wrong with you? And so she kindly said, let me take over. And so she took over. You know, I thought within 30 seconds it'd be done. But before I know it, I hear her chopping onions and my eyes begin to tear up. Then I see her pull out celery and then paprika and then this thing called avocado mayo. (laughs) And and then she's cutting up lemon and she's squeezing lemon into it. and, And all of a sudden, this thing that was mushy and gross and whatever. It's like this presentable, beautiful thing topped up with some cilantro. <laughs> and I'm like, "What is this?" And the, where I'm getting at with this is, is I was missing some key ingredients to a better experience. I'd, I'd, I'd uh, been limited to my own experience because I was missing some key ingredients. Well, like I told you, I usually don't preach this way. I don't usually go two keys to success. Ten principles of this. But today, the title of my sermon is Seven Ingredients to Help Healthy and Robust Relationships. And my hope is this, is that if... Any of the ingredients that we're going to talk about today, you've been missing or perhaps you need work on that through it all, the spirit of God would empower you to accept not just what you've got to work on, but experience the fullness of healthy and robust relationships. So really quickly, I just want to tell you, the book of Philippians here, it's written to a group of people that are striving to do the right thing. And so Paul, the writer of Philippians, reminds them to to enjoy things. And so, in fact, joy is mentioned 18 different times in the book of Philippians. And Paul's going, hey, don't forget to enjoy the healthy and robust relationships you're building. Don't forget to enjoy and have joy brought back into the community that you are building. And I just want to kind of give you a, a pre-point today. Some of y'all need to hear this today. It's okay to rejoice in your relationships. It's okay to smile again. It's okay to have the joy of the Lord in your heart towards your spouse. Come on, somebody say amen to that. Parents, it's okay for you to smile again at the children you bade God for and now you're asking. Asking him for patience with. Come on. So Paul's main message really in the book of Philippians, in addition to joy, is really this idea of unity and and really he's saying ecumenical unity, church unity, relational unity, spiritual unity, all that can only be found in the person of Christ Jesus. So let me quickly rattle off these seven ingredients and we'll go from there. Number one, the first ingredient to healthy and robust relationships is selflessness Philippians 2, the first part of the third verse, it says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Selflessness says, I want you to win. Selflessness says, I rejoice when you win. Selflessness says, I'd much rather advance your agenda than my agenda. Selflessness says, I'm stoked when you get the trophy. I'm excited when I see things in you grow to where they need to grow into their full potential. Selflessness is not Tony with his big personality walking into a room, taking over the room, and suddenly every conversation becomes about him. Now, of course, I'm, I can only speak for myself. But how, how does that apply to you? Are you the kind of person that every conversation has to revolve around you? When someone is sharing something with you, it's not just your attempt at connecting with them, but do you really have to make it only about you and it has to start, middle, and end with you? When you walk into a room, are you aware of what's going on or do you take over the conversation? Selflessness... Says I'm willing to listen before I talk. Selflessness says I won't immediately take over because my agenda is not priority. Your agenda is priority. Right. Right. The this, this, this second element here, and by the way, I recognize all of these could be sermons in themselves, but we're going to highlight a few and then you're going to have some homework at the end of today. Number two, humility. Humility is our second ingredient. Philippians 2 the third uh, the third verse the latter part it says but in humility count others more significant than yourselves in humility count others more significant than yourselves how many of us fall into the trap thinking our opinion is the most valuable one how many of us fall into the trap that us being right is more important than listening, then offering a different perspective, then hearing a different perspective. How many of us fall into the trap that I must be understood first and then I'll attempt to understand? When it comes to relationship, humility says, I seek to first understand rather than first be understood. For Tony, and I gotta be honest with you, so I can only preach about myself. Because I'm talking about myself, but apply this to you. For me, this means I've got to, and excuse me if this offends you, but it means I got to shut up more, listen more, and talk less. Sorry if it offends you that a preacher says shut up, but I'm talking about myself to myself. You know, for me, humility means I got to be quiet more, talk less, and listen more. The the trap I've fallen into at times is thinking that humility is thinking lowly of myself. Or thinking of myself last or as last place. And no, I'm not talking about a self-hatred. It's not that I think less of myself. It's that I don't think of myself before I think of others first. And, And we all know this. What's the opposite of humility? Pride. Right? And have you ever been surprised by your own pride? It like sneaks up on you at times, right? It's incredible how pride can sneak up on us. In fact, some of y'all checked out of this sermon thinking it's not for you because you had no idea as pride had just snuck up on you. Some of you've been around church for a long time. Oh, Philippians again. Oh, this message again. It ain't for me. There's your pride speaking. Yeah. Some of y'all sit in church on a Sunday and and you go, you know who should really be here listening to this? There's your pride speaking. Some of y'all on a Sunday have some weird elbow action that you can't help. That's your pride speaking. You know, I... My wife and I, we, we've worked with many couples and in, in marriage restorations and in, in, in marriage coaching and things like that. And by the way, anytime I talk about us or our example, I'm not at any point saying we're perfect because God knows, Lord knows I am not perfect. You can ask my wife sitting in the front row how not perfect I am. Uh, by the way, this might seem minuscule, but let me prove to you how not perfect I am. I was late to work today. Your pastor was late to work today. <laughs> supposed to be here no later than 8 and I rolled up at 8 20 why because my wife had left early to be on the worship team and I couldn't find mated socks for the two youngest children and so my voice was slightly elevated and then my daughter decided to grow overnight and not have any shoes that fit her my youngest daughter so I am searching high and low for shoes that fit her only for her to finally say in her six-year-old Oh, all my shoes that fit me are in the back of mommy's van because that's where I take them off and leave them. (laughs) So now I'm having to dig through my boys bins and like, and then I'm on the freeway. And my wife had made a, a, a quilt for a newborn baby that she wanted me to bring to the church. And I'm halfway here and the quilt wasn't in my possession. So I had to go back the quilt. That's how not perfect I am. Anyway, what I'm trying to get at with my <laughs> lack of perfection is this, is we've worked with many couples and, and it's interesting and I, and, and I hope what I say doesn't trigger you. I hope it brings some healing to you if you're walking through this. We've watched as the couples where there has been infidelity that actually are able to walk out a restoration are the couple's. Where the party that was offended or hurt doesn't cross their arms and go, See, I would never do that. Right. Yep. Yeah. Wow. That's true. In fact, it's the couples that go, Man, I'm capable of that too. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Man, the same grace that I would want, I'm going to give to you.
0: Because
1: yeah. wow. there's a humility and pride sneaks up on us by going, You are incapable of that sin have you, ever, have you ever felt that Pride sneak up on you? Oh so and so did you hear what? They, how there there That's pride sneaking up on you. We're called to humility Wake up call the sermons for you. Humility says, listen, I'm constantly learning. Humility says, I need help. Humility says, I am capable of falling. Therefore, I reach out for help. You know how else pride sneaks up on you at times? Some of y'all are kind of bashful about being helped out and you kind of code it in like spirituality and go, I just don't want to be a burden. No, that's pride. pride, pride Okay, I'm going to leave that there, okay? (laughs) Humility accepts the help. Humility doesn't make excuses for my learning. In fact, it says I'm moldable. I'm a jar of clay on the potter's wheel. Come on, this, this, we gotta go back to this kind of a message where the Christian faith is a people that are moldable yeah. by God the Father who molds us, and if and, and we gotta be willing to go, God, I'm humble enough to if you need to wreck me and take me down to nothing to build me back up, do it, Lord. Yes. And don't let my pride stand in your way, oh God. This is what I like to tell people is if you're in it, if you're going through something, man, God has you on a surgery table, tell him to cut you wide open because the last thing you want after getting stitched back up, going through physical therapy, is two months down the road getting back on that table. Humility goes, God, I'm wide open. Man, I'm, 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 I'm hanging on to this a little too long. I gotta move, I gotta move. Okay? Humility says I'm always learning. You know what else humility says? Humility says, I'm approachable. The people closest to you, what would they say about you? Are you scary to approach? Mm -hmm. Or are you approachable? Are you the kind of person that when they've got to address something with you, is it even worth their time because they're going to be faced with just a wall? Or are they almost excited about being able to go I can't wait to address this with you where we can grow together. Humility says, I am approachable. Humility is going to require not just a self-awareness, but also a willingness to not take on the attitude of this is how I am, take me as I am world. But a willingness to inwardly reflect. You know, one of the things I've had to struggle with myself is like, well, that's just how us Latino men are built. And you know what i found? Every ethnic group has an excuse for being loud, angry, and drunk. Did I say that? I said it. I said it. We're podcasting this service, y'all, please. Number, number two. Uh, I'm sorry, number three. Open eyes and open hearts. Philippians 2, verse 4. Let each of you look not only into his own interests, but also the interests of others. Look, look, look. It requires eyesight. It requires an awareness. But in a world, watch me, that lives like this. I didn't know that car was crossing because I didn't know I was crossing the street because I was looking down at my phone. In a world that lives like this, and by the way, this is just a representation of a world that lives like this. Me, 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 Mm me. We're being called to open our eyes, look up and look out, and have open hearts to the interests of those around us. Young person, I beseech you, Put your phone down and be aware. I'm talking to you the way I would talk to my own children. Okay. If I have your permission, parents here to talk to your kids like this. Okay. And also I got to talk to some of y'all that grew up without a phone and now you're glued to your phone. The older generation, you know who I'm talking about because it's like the cool thing now for you. It's novel to you. So let me just talk to all of you then as a good father would. You will not be able to look and be able to see the needs of others and even look out for the needs of others if you are so self-absorbed with your own thing. That's true. One of the things, again, our family's not perfect. Lord knows that. One of the sayings we've got in our home is this, and we're teaching it to our children, is you see a need, you fill a need. And Christ has called us to this kind of lifestyle. Yes. Christ calls you and I to this kind of lifestyle where we relate with people in a way where we see a need, we feel a need. But you know what oftentimes happens in the church world? Is we wait for the church. Right. Oh man, this is a whole other sermon. But, uh, no, 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 I, I got I to I stay focused. I got to stay focused. But, but we, we, we think someone else will do it. Right. Yeah. And if we're really honest... That's what we pay the pastor to do.
0: Yeah.
1: Actually, you, you pay me to equip the saints, actually.
0: Yeah. Just,
1: just so they like, so let like, you know, that's what the book of Ephesians says. Yeah. That the fivefold ministry was given to equip the church yeah, so right. that you can be successful in ministry. Right. Okay? Yeah. So just wanted to throw that out there. Thank you. Thank you for letting me do live out my dream. Mm-hmm. But we're, we're not going to be the kind of people that see a need and wait for someone else to fill the need. No, we see a need and we fill a need. In a culture where everything is all about you, the upside down kingdom of God says, look out for others' benefits in all opportunities of life. My father was a great example growing up in this. Uh, he, he wasn't perfect for sure. You know, like most of us dads made a lot of mistakes, but my fondest memories are in every season of my life, every hobby I picked up, Every interest I had, my father made it his interest to the point where when I fell in love with running, no offense to my dad, but he wasn't in great shape. And he forced himself to get into good shape so that he could go on runs with me. Your interest becomes my interest. When I went to college and I was really into cars and specific music, and all, he'd sit down with me and this music didn't interest him. He wasn't a car guy. And he'd sit with me and he'd talk to me about the research he would do. And ask me questions. And you draw out of me the interests. How can you and I make other people's interests our interests? Number four. Number four. I really do got to move this along. Um, servanthood. Because the really good stuff is also coming pretty soon. If you haven't liked my sermon yet, you're really going to like it pretty soon. <laughs> servanthood is our fourth ingredient. Have this mind among yourselves, Paul says, which is, in, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, servant being born in the likeness of men. When I when I was about to marry Sophia, uh, my f- friends and family they threw me a little bachelor party. We flew in some of my friends from Guatemala, my my, fam- my uncle, some cousins. I had my best friend from Brazil fly in as well, and and we sat in the basement of one of my mentors at the time, and they all went around and they were all going to share with me their number one piece of marriage advice. Anybody ever done that before, right? And so. They sat around the circle and they're like, here's our biggest piece of marriage advice. And my uncle was the first one to go. And he said, before anybody says anything, I, I got to tell you, Tony, the biggest piece of advice I've ever received and I live by, you know, 30 plus years of marriage is love is service. He goes, and if you go into this relationship, knowing that your love for Sophia means you serve her, you'll go a long way.
0: Yes.
1: And you know, I've held on to that, not just because it was a, a great figure in my life that said it, but because as I turned to the Bible and I look at Jesus's own example, his love was not just word, it was action. In fact, have you ever thought about this? He was God. He is God, exactly. fully God, the same God that created the entire universe with his voice. Do you think he couldn't have saved you by just one word? Why did he come and spend 33 years on earth then? And have you ever questioned, why is it that it took him 30 years to even start his ministry? He was submitted to teaching. He was committed to serving. He wanted to show us a message that even though I'm God and I've got enough power to, at one word, save you, I'm going to display to you what servanthood looks like. Wow, that's good stuff right there. Some of you are going, you, you heard servanthood or you read it and you go, okay, um, Tony, when are you now going to like do a sales pitch about serving in the house of God and joining a team? Now. Listen, we want you to leave on Sundays and go serve your community, serve your families, serve your workplaces, do it. Also, Serving the house of God has to be a practice in a believer's life yeah. that never leaves us. Yes. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: There's a reason why we actually have two services, and it's not, not just because of space. We have two services so that you can attend one of the services and serve the other service. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: And many of you already do that. And, and I'm not even going to say thank you for that because you should thank yourself for obeying the things that are developing the beautiful things in you. Because here's 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 the thing, what I don't want to do. If you're not currently serving, I don't want you to walk out of here guiltily going to the info hub and signing up for a team. Because it needs to be a conviction out of your heart. Because when you're convicted in this, you'll actually experience the beauty that there is in serving. Yes. And then you're gonna go, whoa, 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 those that refresh others are them themselves refreshed? Wait, that's actually real? But if I just talk you into it, then it's just going to be whatever. Yeah, exactly. And by the way, but the reason why some of you have kind of like waned in your serving is because you probably did it for the sake of somebody else. And that might be a good, or, you know, like a, a good enough reason. But there's something about a conviction in my heart that service is not just what I do. It's who I am. Yes. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. So, yes, absolutely join a team and come help us build the house of God together. And let's serve one another. There are plenty of opportunities. And by the way, I'm not saying this because they pay me extra to say this. There's no place I'd rather be than spending my day in the house of God at least one day a week. Serving you and being with you. Yes. Tony, are you asking me to sign up for a team? Yes. Yes. If you're new to legacy, this is part of who we are. This is is why you love what you see at Legacy. Okay. Charles Spurgeon said it this way. You cannot be Christ's servant if you are not willing to follow him, cross and all. What do you crave, a crown? Then it must be a crown of thorns if you are to be like him. Do you want to be lifted up? So you shall, but it will be upon the cross. (laughs) And some people think I'm harsh. what what Spurgeon and Paul both have in common is they've understood that Christ emptied himself of himself for the sake of serving other people. And this is the same example that we are called to live the emptying of ourselves. So practically speaking, outside of even just these four walls and serving the house of God, which you love and you're called to. Can I get an amen to that one? Uh, Outside of just that, let me give you some practical advice. Leave some margin in your schedule for when opportunities of service arise. You know, when you're so busy doing your own thing, when a need comes up, you won't even be able to fill it. You might want to, but man, I got a meeting. I got this. I got that. And you know what we've done? Can I just talk about this? This thing we've done in culture today is, is we've glorified busyness. It's almost like a badge of honor. How you doing? Oh, busy. And if you're really spiritual, busy, but blessed, busy, but blessed. Too blessed to be stressed, even though you're really stressed, right. <laughs> right? And it's like, oh man, you should see my calendar. I'm four months out. If you're four months out, let me tell you that's dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I love you enough to tell you this, create some margin in your schedule. Yeah. Because when needs arise, you'll be able to happily go, I got margin to do that. You're on your way out to the grocery store, but because you're not jam-packing it in to the last 30 extra minutes that you have on a Saturday, and your neighbor goes, hey neighbor, can you help me unload my pickup truck? You don't say, no, I'm too busy. You go, gladly. After all, it's not well done, good and faithful calendar manager. I'm going to just let that simmer there, okay? (laughs) It's well done, good and faithful servant. Okay. There's three more, and they're the really good ones. Number five, obedience. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Philippians 2.8. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient the point of death even death on a cross this word obedient or obedience say with me it's a greek word here and it says the meaning of it is listening to giving ear obedience in submission by the way some of y'all just heard the word submission and you're eager for that to be my next point don't worry it's my next point but let's go back to obedience Obedience by this Greek word here teaches us that it actually starts with listening. And I wonder how many of us are incapable of obeying God, not because we don't want to obey God, but because we're too busy talking and there's not enough room in our ears to hear God. I wonder if we're just too busy. I wonder if we're just too filled up to have a moment where we actually listen. Because obedience begins with a listening ear. Obedience starts with an ear that is inclined to hear. We used to sing an old hymn that talks about tuning our hearts to sing thy praise. There's something to be said about a human that's got to get retuned to the frequency of God's voice, if you will. Come on, I hope this is for somebody today. It says in the Word of God that that a sheep hears a voice of their shepherd and they respond to it, right? Right. They can recognize that voice. Tony, I'm really having a hard time with obedience. Maybe you don't know the shepherd's voice. Mm -hmm. Obedience is, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Which leads me to my sixth... Ingredient, and that is submission. Now I told you it was going to get good, and now it's about to get gooder.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Philippians two nine to ten. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is. A, look at this above. If his name is above, naturally something's got to be below. Um. Newsflash, you and I are below. Yes.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. Above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Submission. I want to talk to you about this. And I want to really quickly preface it with this. Some of you have heard the word obedience, submission, authority in an abusive and manipulative way. Maybe you come from a church background where that was manipulated, or maybe that was something that was done and it it hurt you. Two things. One, I'm sorry if that's what took place, but number two, do not allow that past experience to hold you captive to what God's trying to speak to you. Listen today. Okay. Okay. And let me throw in a third thing because I'm a third point preacher. I'm not the guy that abused leadership in your life. So don't hold me to that either. As I say what I'm about to say. Okay. Submission doesn't need to be a scary word. Submission should be a comforting word. Because it means that I get to hide under the shadow of his wings, not my wings. It recognizes He is above and I am below. It recognizes that he's the one that carries the government on his shoulders. I don't have to carry it. Are you seeing this? The name that's above all names places him up above all circumstance, all things. So now there's safety in me coming under that. This word submission really just by by purely um, um, word for word translations really is coming under a mission. So, so let me just touch on this because I know a lot of you, especially you, you husbands, right now are like, "Come on, go into Peter. Talk about how wives need to submit to their husbands." And some of your ladies are like, "You better not go there." But l- listen, listen, listen. Yes. And we will do a series on marriage and we will talk about the biblical meaning of a a wife submitting to her husband, which, by the way, I just got to tell you, this was if you think it's radical now for us, it was radical for them then, but in a different way, because he's speaking to a group of women that had to submit to every man she came across. So submission is not this thing that beats women down. It actually elevated, this in the Bible and, and Peter was actually an elevation of women. Hey, you don't have to submit to every man. You just submit to your husband. And that was good news to them. Yeah. But by the way, husbands, if they're coming under a mission, you better have a mission. Yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. That's
1: good. that okay? That's
0: good.
1: Yeah. We're gonna talk about this. We're gonna break it out. But submission brings us comfort because it's a position of the heart that says, I recognize I am under God. And, and when I recognize that, which, by the way, I, 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 let me just talk to, to all of you that maybe have been hurt by this thing. Um, if an authority figure has to yell submission into you, then it's actually not true submission. And we all know that.
0: Yes. Right.
1: Yeah. right? Right. So I look to God's example of submission. How does he lord over us? With a beautiful, loving, guiding, merciful, strong hand. So submission is a position of the heart where as I walk out my selflessness, my humility, my service and my servanthood, submission is actually a non-issue. You notice that like, if if I walk in selflessness, I'm serving Jesus. I recognize who he is. Submission to him is not an issue for me. Why? Because submission can only ever lead to exaltation. Hear me. I'm almost done. I I hope I haven't lost you guys yet. But submission can only ever lead to exaltation. Why? Because it's me coming before a king and going, this is who you are and this is who I am. And And the only thing that's left to do, the only reasonable response is to exalt you. It's to recognize you're above, to recognize you are the King of King, Lord, Lord, that the name that's given above every other name is your name and your name alone. Yeah. I thought I'd get a few more amens from that, but that's okay. Um, you want to know why I think some of us at times struggle with worshiping Jesus? Because we're not submitted. And if we're going to learn to submit to one another, and to yield to one another and to burden and bear, bear uh, and carry burdens together with one ano- another, we've got to learn how to shoulder this mission together. We've got to come under the mission of God together. Are you with me? Yeah. Seventh ingredient. Don't be distracted by the handsome people coming up on stage. Seventh ingredient, it's a miracle. We got there only 10 minutes late, but we started 20 minutes late, so that's okay. Are you still with me? Yeah. Are you getting something out of today? Yeah. Okay. Uh, are you really getting something out of today? Yeah. Okay, tell it like you mean it. Like, are you really getting something out of today? Okay, all right, good. Uh, my, my, last, my last ingredient then is this, is glorifying God. Philippians two eleven, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. What for? To the glory of the Father. Let me say it to you this way. Ultimately, if our relationships, our conversations, our thoughts, our actions, our desires, our intentions, if they are not ultimately bringing glory to God, then what are we even doing? Like not just in your relationship, but like in all of life. Like if you're not passing it through the filter of will this bring glory to God, then what are you even doing? and I'm telling you, this began to transform things in me, and and I'm going to be honest with you, recently, not like this is an old thing that I got dialed in, like recently, in my heart of hearts, in my intentions, in my conversations, in my actions, in my thoughts, in my intentions, in all the things that I do, when I began to pass it through a filter of, is this bringing glory to God? I'll tell you what, I started talking to my wife differently. I'll tell you what, I started talking to my coworkers differently. I started treating my children differently. I'll tell you what, I started speaking about you and of you and to you very differently. Because now I'm passing it through the filter of am I glorifying God through this? And if you're a theologian, you know this, that the Westminster Catechism states that the chief end of man, in other words, the whole goal of existing as a human is to bring glory to God and to enjoy Him forever. And so if we are created to bring glory to God, my friend, my question to you is, are your thoughts, are your actions, are your words, are your intentions, are your conversations, are your desires, are they all pointing to the glory of God? And if they're not, we need to help. Now, we don't always get this right, right? I know I don't always get it right. But man, thank God for His grace. But more than that, Thank God for his spirit that is available even now to empower you and I to live this out. And this is how I'm going to end. This is how I'm going to end. Selfishness, pride, closed eyes and closed hearts, disobedience, lack of submission, which by the way, never mind, uh, lack of glorification of God, I I don't have any more time. All that stuff cannot be overcome by you just gutting it up. I got to think like Jesus. I got to act like Jesus. I got to be like Jesus. And, and, and I know that I, that makes you guys laugh, but like we live that way sometimes. We don't like act it out like Tony does. And like somebody told me last Sunday, you were clearly a theater kid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I want you to know all that we talked about today. Those ingredients can only come together if the spirit of God is alive and active, operating in you and through you. And that's why today I think God made it so clear to us, even in the middle of worship when it wasn't planned, that his spirit is here. And, and he's here available to any of you that are going, God, I need help with selfishness. I admit I, I, I'm prideful. I got to admit, God, I need some help with this obedience piece. Whatever it is, I want to offer you some time now as we move into a time of response. I want to remind you that there's four different ways that we all can respond around here. Number one, we can respond by giving, giving something over to the Lord. Maybe there's an area of your life that you've just held on to and you're like, man, God, I just now it's my time. I'm going to give this over to you. Maybe you've got to give of the Lord your life. It's also a time where those of us that call Legacy Church our home is when we remind ourselves we can give of our tithes and our offerings. Maybe your response today is some time in prayer or you need somebody to pray with you and for you. You head over to the prayer corner and you go, man, I need some help. And and maybe it's not just one. Maybe it's all seven that you need some help with. We can respond by coming to the communion table. There's one here. There's two here, one located in the back. How many of you know that? It wouldn't even be possible for us to even attempt to live this out had it not been for the example we see of Jesus Christ himself. What a better reason, no better reason than to celebrate and remember his death, burial, and resurrection than today, as that was a prime example of these seven ingredients. And lastly, we're going to worship. I asked the worship team to sing a specific song that talks about how our only help for all of this can come through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So let me pray for you. And I'll give you some time to respond. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. I now ask that you would show us, God, truly, each one of us personally. I know that we've got four ways to respond and I'm sure there's more ways, but God, I pray that you would show us individually how to respond to your word today. More importantly, I pray, God, that as we walk out of here today, we would walk out of here with an assurance that your spirit is operating in and through us transforming
0: our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you once again for joining us today. We hope today's message encouraged you, challenged you, and caused your faith to grow. If you enjoyed today's message, we highly encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. That way you don't miss out on any future messages. To get to know us, to get connected with us, and to know how you can best partner with us, head to our website, LegacyChurchID. Or come see us in person at our campus in Meridian, Idaho. We look forward to connecting with you. May God bless you and have a great rest of your day.